our gospel reading this morning, which comes from Matthew uh, 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And when they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort, a word of challenge, a word of hope, and a word of guidance for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Well, of course, we know today is Commitment Sunday uh, in our stewardship season. It's a time we celebrate generosity when we lift up all the amazing things that God is doing here. So it's naturally a weekend where we want our scripture readings to be filled with joy and inspiration. And we also follow the lectionary. So I was excited and curious when I dove in this week and I opened the book of Amos and read, I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Maybe not that one. Uh, so I thought I'll go to the gospel. The gospel's full of love and joy, right? And then I hear this, and the door was shut. Later the others came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I do not know you. Now if that doesn't inspire someone to give generously, I don't know what does, right? <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is a weekend where we think deeply about why the church matters. We think about our purpose. And if you think about it that way, then... Actually, Amos 5.24 speaks volumes. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. See, the prophet Amos proclaimed these words over 2,700 years ago, words that have echoed throughout the ages, timeless words that, that convict and challenge and inspire and call to us and to every generation. In fact, these prophetic words inextricably linked together are, are present with our past and are present to our future, to God's future. These words weave our lives into the great tapestry of the lives of all God's beloved in every time and place of every tribe and tongue. Justice and righteousness, these are good words. These are beautiful words. These are holy words. Yet at times, these words get a little corrupted or co-opted. For example, the word justice, at times different political parties or ideologies have tried to lay claim on this word as if it's their own. Has anyone ever heard that, that justice is a political word? It's actually a biblical word. It's, it's in the Old Testament, uh, and the word in Hebrew is mishpat. Uh, this word mishpat is actually in the Old Testament alone over 400 times. It's, its history goes way further back than any of our modern ideas or ideologies. 
Mishpat in Hebrew or Croesus in the, the Greek in the New Testament, this occurs hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the Bible because it's the very heart of God. It's the very character of God. And modern definitions can kind of distort our view of the word, so it's important to really reflect on what this word means when God speaks it to us. Because justice is the very character of God. So, so when we think about God's justice, we, we can't really separate that from the other characteristics of who God is. Things like mercy and compassion, redemption and love. And it's hard to define this word. We could spend all day just trying to, to study it. But for our purposes today, I would simply suggest this. Justice is when the world is as God intended it to be. And therefore, conversely, injustice is any time the world is not as God intended it to be. This is a word that reveals God's heart and helps us understand our purpose, which is what Amos, the prophet, was called to go and speak to Israel. And in our reading we heard this morning, it sounds pretty harsh at the beginning, doesn't it? Uh, so I think it's important to understand the context and, and what was going on in that situation so we can really understand where God's heart is in all of that. So a little bit about this prophet Amos. He was a prophet who lived like over 750 years before Jesus, so a long, long time ago. His ministry was mostly in the northern kingdom of Israel as opposed to the southern kingdom of Judah when the tribes split apart. They were two kingdoms for a long time. Uh, even though he was originally from the southern kingdom, a little town or village called Tekoa, which was close to Jerusalem, actually, what we know about him is that he was a shepherd, I like to think he was a good shepherd because that's our namesake. See what I did there? But we don't really know. But what we do know is his ministry was a couple of decades or so before the Assyrian exile, before that exile period. Uh, and it was actually a time of great prosperity. It was sort of the height of the northern kingdom, Israel's prosperity and power, wealth and things like that. But at what cost? So if you look in the scriptures to see how history defines the king of that time, King Jeroboam's reign, it says this in uh, 2 Kings 14, King Jeroboam uh, of Israel began to reign in Samaria, that was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, for about 41 years, which was a long time back then. But he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So what was this evil that he had done, that he was doing? What was the injustice that Amos was go, uh, called to go and speak out against? There's a lot if you read the whole book of Amos, but it sums it up well in verse uh, 6 and 7 of the second chapter. It said that they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. You see King Jeroboam and the, uh, the elites, his courts, they were growing wealthy and powerful and comfortable on the backs of others neglecting to care for their people, neglecting uh, the needs of those who were hurting uh, and oppressing others to build themselves up. They were even at times selling their own people into slavery. And so Amos is called to go and speak some pretty unpopular things to the elite, to some very powerful people. Things like we heard this morning that God says, I hate, I despise your festivals and your offerings. Or one of the verses I find the most interesting in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Amos is actually called to go and speak to the wives of the wealthy uh, elite men and says this, 
Hear this, you cows of Bashan who are on Mount Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring us something to drink. Yo, it's, (laughs) I added the last part. I'm no expert in ancient, uh, ancient Israelite social norms, but I'm guessing that calling anyone a cow or their spouse a cow would not go over any better than, than it does today. But what we see in this text, in all seriousness, is the rulers were living life as if they were on this never-ending, all-inclusive resort vacation. And they were doing this at the expense of others, ignoring those who were hurting and broken, oppressing others. This was not the world as God intended it to be. They had totally lost sight of their purpose. These were a people that God had loved. God had saved their ancestors from slavery in Egypt, brought them out into this land and and given them a home and created what was supposed to be a holy nation, a holy people that would be a light to those around them, that would embody the very character of God, God's love and mercy and justice and righteousness on this earth. God had intended them to be a community where no one would ever be poor or starving because they would care for one another, where everyone would have dignity and worth because they were all a part of the beloved community together. And this, what was going on, that was not how God intended it to be because they had lost sight of their purpose. Friends, our world today is not always as God intended it to be, is it? Is there goodness and mercy in the world? Yes, and we hold on to that. Is there beauty and love? Yes, and we celebrate that. But of course, there is still hunger. There's still homelessness. These things that are not as God intended them to be and injustice. Things like poverty and and hatred and violence and war and oppression. There are still so many places in the world that are not as God intended it to be. So I have a question for us today. When you see these injustices in the world, what happens inside your heart? For me, when I see it, I I often feel helpless. I mean, the sort of injustice we see in in our world today is often so massive, so uh, large scale, so complex that it just, it feels like there's nothing I can do to make a difference. Anyone else ever feel that? And so it becomes overwhelming and I start to feel helpless or hopeless, and and I confess sometimes I just want to hide away and and ignore it and numb myself. Because the truth is this, that on my own, I can do very little to make any difference. But, but together, as the church, as Good Shepherd, we can and do make a significant impact Together, there are so many ways that we strive to bring about God's vision, God's justice, God's kingdom in this world. When we see hunger in the world, it breaks our hearts, so we respond with things like Thanksgiving meals for our local community or feed the need for the global community. Next week, we'll have with us Pastor Dan Rift from ELCA World Hunger. When we see poverty in our community, we, re- we support ministries like LifeWise and other efforts in our world. When we see racial injustice happening in our society, we start ministries like Our Neighbors, Our City to have challenging but critical conversations where we can have a safe space to listen to one another, to grow together, to learn together. 
When we see wars on the other side of the globe, it can feel so far away, but, but we respond with our prayers and with things like Lutheran World Relief where we uh, make sure that aid can get to the places it needs to be most. Alone, I can do almost nothing, but together, as God's people, by the power of the Spirit, we can do almost anything. And this is why, this is why the church matters. This is why we need one another. This is why week after week we come back here together to be inspired and moved and connected to others. Because even things like loneliness and isolation, that is an injustice, not as God created us to be. God created us for community, for life together. So we gather as God's beloved where we become family for one another, family with a common mission, a common purpose. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, all of the area pastors and deacons from the St. Louis area ELCA churches were invited to spend a day with our bishop, Susan Candia. And she opened our day together with a question for all of us in the room that has really sat with me. She looked around and she said, I'm going to ask all of you to answer this question in one sentence. She knew she had a room of preachers, so she said, in one sentence, what is the purpose of the church? It was an interesting question, and a lot of good answers were shared, sharing God's love, being the hands and feet of Jesus, making disciples. But as I've sat with this question, I think what I would say is this, that our purpose is to make the world just a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven each day, a little more like the kingdom of heaven each day. I mean, every week we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come. Right? One of my uh, regular prayer practices is praying through the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. So I'll pray things like, Lord, in your kingdom there is enough for everyone. In your kingdom there is no more war, but there is peace. Lord, we need your kingdom here and now. And at the end of our worship services every week, we, we send you out with a blessing. We're very intentional about this to remind us of our vision that every person would be known and loved, that everyone could do ministry and grow spiritually, and our purpose that the world would look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven each day. So friends, by joining with the Holy Spirit, united as God's people, we commit our hearts to God's heart. And therefore, we continue to do this to make the world just a bit more like the kingdom every day so that together we will create a world where where justice will roll like waters and righteousness will flow like an ever-flowing stream. Will you pray with me? Holy God of righteousness, God of justice, you created this world to be a place of beauty and joy and community. Lord, we know the world is not always that, but you call us and empower us to to move toward that every day in the little things we do and the big things we accomplish together. Lord, may your spirit move in this place, stir our hearts, uh, embolden our imaginations, to find the ways that we can strive to move towards your kingdom just a little bit more each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.